Sorted Cinema. We're back with one of our quick hit episodes, as promised, going back over our uh, 2021 watch list. And uh, this time we're rewinding to 2021's earliest film that's called Nobody, starring Bob Odenkirk, written by Derek Kolstad and directed by Ilya Neusholer of Hardcore Henry fame. We'll hear a clip. So they took maybe 20 bucks and an old watch. Mr. Madsen, did you even take a swing? No. Could have taken her, Dad. Heard you had some excitement last night. I wish they'd have picked my place, you know? Why didn't you take him out? I was just trying to keep the damage to a minimum. Yeah, how's that working out for you? You okay? Cause it don't look okay. There's a long dormant piece of me that so very badly wants out. What are you still doing here, old man? I'm gonna fuck you up. <laughs> <laughs> It's been a hell of a day. You can see that. For 12 years, I worked for some very dangerous people. Everybody get to the basement. What is happening? Don't call 911. Hello, welcome back to Sorted Cinema. I'm Simon Howell. Ricky D, what's up? What's up, Simon? Uh, we've been wanting to do this one for a hot minute, um, and uh, also just to do more episodes for a hot minute. So, uh, apologies for the you know slow roll of production, but sometimes it, it's like that with the uh, hustle and bustle of life. Speaking of the hustle and bustle of life, nobody. Uh, this is a movie that I was very intrigued by when I first heard about it. You know, the idea of essentially a John Wick movie starring living legend uh bob odenkirk who i'm sure we'll talk more about um but uh, i never actually got to it at the time so over one year after its release now that people have had ample time to check it out uh with all the buzz gone by um do you find it still worth worth our worth our, our dear listeners time i love this movie I think this is as good as the first John Wick movie. And I think the two characters are similar, but not the same. I think the performance here by Mr. Bob Odenkirk is just incredible. Like the fact that he actually trained for two years to get his body in shape and to learn the actual fight choreography. Like he dedicated two years of his life to prepare for the role before they started shooting. So this movie kind of 
blew me away. Like I heard rumblings that the movie was really good. A lot of our close friends recommended the movie to us. They all said it's a really good action movie. But I think that this is like one of the best movies of 2021. Like I'm trying to think if it made our list on the website for the best movies of the year. But if not, it should have. I was a little skeptical at first because I'm not the biggest fan of hardcore Henry. I think there's a lot of cool ideas and I like the the actual like, you know, like the visuals and it's it's. I admire how he went about making that movie, but it didn't really like hold my attention. It felt like just like I would prefer to play a video game, Mm -hmm. but this movie like actually has a really good story, a really good script. I'm not too hot on the ending, which we can talk about later, but has a good cast and it has like three incredible scenes. And, you know, we always talk about the Howard Hawks test. Does a movie have three great scenes and no bad scenes? And if so, it's considered a great movie. And I would say I would say that this film does not have any bad scenes. And I think it has three great scenes. It has the incredible sequence, which takes place in the bus, this entire fight scene, which lasts like maybe like 10 minutes. And the main character, Hutch, just gets destroyed and beats him. But yet he still succeeds and wins and defeats these like three to five like Russian goons. Then there is the climax at the end, which we could talk about shortly, which features like the great Riza just performing the most incredible like fight choreography and like gun. What do you call it? Gun Fu Pao. I forget what the actual terminology is. Gun Kata, perhaps. Well, you know, when you mix like Kung Fu martial arts with gunplay, yeah, gun, kind of like gun what fu. John. Yeah. Gun Fu, what John Wu kind of like made popular back in the days with hard boiled and the killer. And, you know, there's there's a great cast. Like you got Michael Ironside, you got Christopher Lloyd, and there's one more great sequence, one more great like uh, fight sequence in which it's sort of like a home invasion. Like it turns into like a home invasion, like short film at one point in time. Mm-hmm. So I love this movie. If anyone's a fan of movies like John Wick, I I mean, look, you're probably listening to this podcast because you've seen the movie. But if not, you like, yeah, watch the movie. It's it's so good. Uh, I'm not as hot on the movie as you are, but I will say I was not bored. I really, really love, I want to say the first 25 minutes. I would say everything up until not just the bus sequence, but um, I really like when we get, there's an intertitle that shows up um, just after that sequence where we're introduced to the uh, primary antagonist of the movie, who's played by uh, Alexei Serebyakov, um, who has like a pretty meaty role considering he's like much less uh, recognizable than everyone else here. Um, and he gives a really fun performance. I think that there's a lot of individual elements that I like um, that I think it's one of those movies that has like both a little bit too much going on and also not quite enough at the end of the day for me, for my liking Um, in the sense of like, I think the whole Russian mob angle is really fun and I think has a really specific character that it does a lot with. Um, But the actual like a plot and the way it's kind of a mix of, you know, there's elements of a history of violence and straw dogs and, John Wick, of course, and like a million movies we've seen before. Um, and the X factor should be the fact that we have Bob Odenkirk in the lead role. I mean, one of the great, one of the great comic actors of, of, of anywhere of the last 30 years. I mean, going back to Mr. Show, you've got this guy who is an amazing comic actor. And I think that the, the movie's Achilles heel is like as, as fun as it is to watch 
uh, Bob Odenkirk do action hero shit, especially in that first fight sequence, which I do agree is a great, great sequence. I do wish the character had a little bit more meat on his bones or like a little bit like he plays it. So he's written and is played so straight that I it, at times you kind of wonder why they bothered to get Odenkirk for it. You know what I mean? I think he's good, but I just don't know if they took full advantage of what they had. Uh, that being said, uh, there is definitely um, incredible novelty value to seeing him in the role. And I, I, I will say that I geeked out quite a bit when I saw Michael Ironside in the credits. And also, like, I don't know, there's a there's a really fun little collection of character actors here that, again, I kind of wish they did more with not just Michael Ironside, but also that guy Colin Salmon, who uh, is always like a fun presence in movies like this, unfortunately only gets one scene. Michael Ironside just kind of walks around a bit. I know he's very old. Uh, and of course, Christopher Lloyd is here, which is just kind of insane. Um, but yeah, I don't know. There's there's lots of little things that I liked. Um, I, I didn't feel like the movie necessarily added up to all that much, like by the time it's over, but definitely lots of individual moments and like choices I thought were fun. I thought, Christopher Lloyd at first was Uncle Teal from Breaking Bad. <laughs> I can see how you got there. He looks so similar to that actor in that role in this role. Like, I swear to God, he's, he's just like, it's a spitting image of him. I, I don't know. I, I, I love this movie. Like, I, I wasn't too hot on the ending because it's one of those Hollywood action films in which the producers probably requested an ending in which you can lead to a sequel because they're most likely going to make a sequel. And it all just ended a little too neatly for me. But the the action, like, set piece at the end really reminded me of a really inventive, like, John Woo, like, mm-hmm. action set piece where in which, like, even, like, a guy like the RZA had some like incredible like like i don't even know i don't even, i can't even i can't even describe what he did like it's like when when the three men are moving around the warehouse i guess i guess it's a warehouse mm-hmm. the factory whatever you want to call it the building and the cr- creative inventive ways they actually kill these baddies it's it's like it's like um what's his face from home alone grew up and thought of like all of these crazy MacGyver ways, actually like assassinate or murder all of these like Russian goons that are out to kill him. You know what I mean? Like Kevin, what's his name? Kevin, Kevin McAllister. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, like, cause like, like they basically like the main character purchases a business, like the actual, like, again, I guess it's a warehouse and he booby traps the entire building and that is where they go to hide out. So Hutch, Riz's character, who I think is Harry, and Hutch's dad, who's played by Christopher Lloyd, his name is David, the three of them meet up at this warehouse and they're totally prepared for the Russians to show up and they're just going to totally take control because not only are they like incredibly talented with like martial arts and and holding a gun and using all these like various weapons, but the whole entire place is booby trapped. So I thought that sequence was incredible. But what I really like about this character is I feel like he's so similar and yet so different than John Wick because here he really is a nobody, but he's a nobody in plain sight. Like he's an average Joe, a dad, he's got two kids, he's married, he's got a wife, he's got this like nine to five job, which he doesn't really like. I think his wife makes more money than him. Uh, The movie starts with his family getting robbed because two people break into the house 
which is how the whole entire plot like sort of like takes off from there. And he doesn't actually resist or fight back, even though he can. And so his son thinks he's sort of like, you know, he's disappointed because he thinks he's like, if not scared and he's just not man enough or whatever to actually take on these two like criminals who broke into their house. So the son's kind of like very disappointed and, 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 but, but when you compare him to John Wick, like John Wick's a man who's never really lost his, you know, what makes him deadly, what makes him John Wick. He's just hiding in the shadows. Whereas this guy is hiding in plain sight. He's, he's, he's trying to be someone completely different. John Wick is, not really i don't think he's really someone completely different from his past he's just not in the scene anymore you know what i mean he's not part of that world until he gets dragged back in this guy is just kind of like hiding it's yeah. very different it, it is a little strange how much the movie is sort of like a strange combination of a history of violence and eastern promises <laughs> yes <laughs> like, i know <laughs> like yeah. it has the basic premise you know guy with spoiler alert a secret history of violence um you know how, you know, starts a family tries to start anew until his past comes back and he has to rely on his special set of skills to get him out of a jam um you know exactly the same premise except of course without you know a history of violence has that layer of you know psychosexual tension and social commentary and stuff which this movie has absolutely none of we should be clear yeah, um, for sure. It's nowhere near as good as yeah. David Cronenberg. Well, and it's good or bad. It's just it's not trying to be like that kind of movie. Um, and of course, it has the um, the the appeal of sort of the the Russian mob that uh, that Eastern Promises had. The um, the other movie that I could not stop thinking about while watching this movie was I don't know if you've seen this yet, but um, and I haven't seen the original, but the English remake of that movie Cold Pursuit with Liam Neeson. Um, it's worth seeing. Because it was sort of the movie that I expected this to be, kind of like, um, because of uh, the presence of Odenkirk, I was expecting, I guess, a little bit more irony or a little bit more uh, direct humor, which this movie, it's sort of got action movie humor. Like, it doesn't have over the, it doesn't have outright comedy humor, if you know what I mean. Um, and Cold Pursuit kind of does, uh, it's kind of like a tongue-in-cheek um not quite parody, but sort of like satirical examination of the concept of the revenge thriller, which of course Liam Neeson, who stars in that, has done, you know, a half dozen of by now. So it has kind of an extra charge. But this isn't a podcast about that movie. This is a podcast about nobody. But there's little things that this movie does that sort of makes it stand out. Because for anyone who's who doesn't know, this movie is written by Derek Kolstad, who's one of the co-writers of the entire John Wick series. He wrote John Wick 1, 2, 3, and he's writing 4 and 5. So he wrote the screenplay. And there's these little things that he does with the characters. Like, for example, I talked, to, I talked about this off air with you. I like how uh, the main character here, Hutch, has this tattoo, right? And the, the tattoo is basically on his wrist and it's a tattoo of a seven and a two. And so being a poker player and like loving Texas Hold'em, I know that that is considered like the worst hand that you could be dealt in playing Texas Hold'em. And so right away I thought of like, you know, what, what does this mean? Like, what does this tattoo mean? Cause the tattoo basically plays sort of like a small role in the plot because 
they notice the tattoo and right away they're sort of like scared of this man because they know that he's trouble and he's deadly and they should not fuck with him. Right. But I was thinking about this and I'm like, I Googled it and apparently it's like a military tattoo. But what I thought of was I was like, okay, well, if it's the worst hand you can be dealt in poker, then it makes sense that he would have this tattoo because it means he's not the guy you want to mess with. Meaning the, the main protagonist of this movie played by Bob Odenkirk, his name being hutch you don't want to fuck with him so it's basically don't deal him the worst hands well you know i think my my take on it is is like someone who is you know prepared to deal with the worst situation and it's sort of implied it is not it's just implied it is outright stated later in the film that he is sort of essentially a uh a a a three-letter operative a three-letter organization's clean a one-man cleanup crew essentially Right, but it's the, it's the little things, like the devils in the details, right? It's these little things that really, like, makes the movie stand out. Like, you know, for example, the actual fight sequence, you know, most movies would have the fight sequence. Like, I'm talking about the bus scene. They would have that. They would have the scene take place in a street and or in a warehouse, wherever. But, like, who would have ever thought about putting it in an actual, like, city bus, like a public city bus with, like, you know, a bunch of, like, civilians around, like, who are in danger and... Like little things like that, like I thought made the movie like really stand out. And also like Riza, who does play sort of like one of the main characters in the movie, we we do not even see him, like physically see him until the very like final like action set piece. We hear his voice because he makes several phone calls. But it, it's a weird choice. I it's mean, a weird choice. But like the fact that the, the hero here, Hutch or anti-hero, actually makes several phone calls and we hear Riz's voice throughout the entire film, but never see him until the very end. It makes you think that he's like like a GTA radio announcer that you're not actually going to see in the movie, you know? Mr. Manson. Hey. Enjoying the meal? Yeah. I came for the show. Cute. <laughs> you have some nerve to be here like this. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. So I don't really know what else to say. Like, I feel like this is a very simple film in a sense that like it sets out to really just tell a very simple story. It's a man who's trying to get back the possessions that were stolen by two uh, small time crooks who broke into his family's home. And in doing so, he gets involved with this Russian mob. Um, We've sort of seen the story play out many times in movies. And it always seems to be like the Russian mob. But to be fair, like the director of the movie is Russian. He actually switched the characters to make them Russian because they weren't actually written to be Russian, which I thought was kind of like funny. I uh, So don't complain about it being stereotyped. It's <laughs> well, a Russian I mean, director. I, to be honest, I, w- I could have I would have liked a little bit more, if, if anything, of the um, I don't know. I, I really like the concept of the um, this garish uh, crime boss who everyone is afraid of but is also like kind of a goofball um it was one of those things that i i think i if anything i would have liked to have seen them do a little bit more with like for instance also they're um they have a, a half ethiopian member of their crew uh named pavel who like kind of they seems like they're threatening to do something with and then it kind of doesn't go anywhere um 
I don't know. There, there's, there are lots of little details and things that, like you said, that I did enjoy that are kind of sprinkled around. I just, in the final analysis or whatever, I do wish they had just sprinkled a little bit more originality into like the overall premise. I, uh, I, I was really kind of surprised who the cinematographer is because this is a straight up action movie. And the cinematographer is the same person who did the cinematography for some of like the biggest horror films of the past like 10 years, like Hereditary, Midsummer, Tragedy really? Girls. Usually works within the horror genre and has done a bunch of short films as well. Oh, that reminds me. Um, I, I Maybe you'll have the information on this and maybe you won't, but there's definitely some digital blood and gore in this movie which i'm like not the biggest fan of but i do feel like i saw some squibs in there am i crazy or were they just like decent digital squibs there's a bit of both but i was listening to um some interviews with uh bob odenkirk and you know it's funny he actually like threw some shade over at liam neeson talking about how you know if you watch this movie you'll notice that a lot of the shots are static because they actually do capture these men actually fighting for real like they are performing their stunts he did train for two years unlike say a liam neeson movie where the camera is always shaking and moving to sort of like hide the flaws in the actual fight sequences so i thought that was first of all really funny that odenkirk was throwing shade at liam neeson but because he said that and because of the interviews i've seen with him I kind of like don't really know how much CGI they use, but they must have used CGI and or and or I don't know. The the, the blood is too red. There's definitely CGI blood. No question. Yeah. And something to do with the color color correction, too. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, whatever. It's like, you know, even if the even if the blood is CGI, I mean, those men are actually like straight up fighting. Yeah, I mean, the and especially that, as you mentioned, the initial bus fight is like really, really fun. It's also kind of funny because the um, the movie has a straight arc of like the initial bus fight sequence. You see Hutch get his fucking ass kicked uh, a lot. He gets injured and he has to like respond to that. And, you know, he takes on people in a semi quasi realistic way albeit obviously very stylized and over the top a la you know old boy right like kind of realistic but obviously wouldn't really happen like that um whereas like in each with each successive action sequence the movie gets like more video game-ish and cartoonish to the extent where i think sort of as you mentioned kind of the downfall of of the last act is that you really start to feel like these characters are totally invincible what what is uh interesting about the film is apparently the movie was made because Bob Odenkirk actually was a victim of a home invasion and he was really frustrated with the fact that the actual police didn't really do much and so he thought of this idea to actually hire these dudes like the guys who did the John Wick movies to write this movie about a home invasion and that is why he trained for 2 years and specifically wanted the long takes and the far shots to actually show off all the hard work that he put into learning the martial arts and actually and actually getting like physically in shape so i mean that in itself is like really interesting that you're making this movie based on an actual experience in your life i think if you're bob odenkirk's age and you want to get swole you have two choices one of them is you can go to jail and the other choice is you can get the john wick guys to, to cast you in a movie and get a couple years to train. And I think he chose the the simpler option. Yeah. W- would you want to see a sequel to this movie? Only if it's Bob Odenkirk versus Liam Neeson in his Taken character. One special set of skills versus the other special set of skills. 
Because there's a famous line from the John Wick movie in which they like, I think it's one of the Russian mob bosses is asking, like, who is it? And his like goons reply, it's like nobody. Like, you remember that scene? Like, he, the John Wick basically, like, takes out his whole entire, like, squad. Yeah. The Russian mob boss is pissed off. He's asking the, the messenger, like, who is this man? He's like, he's a nobody. <laughs> I was, like, thinking that this movie's named Nobody. Like, what if they do? Because they could. I mean, it's the same dude that worked on John Wick. Like, what if they What if they do a crossover? John Wick, nobody meets nobody. Well, to be honest, what this movie is missing that I think John Wick uh, had, other than... I mean, Ke- Keanu is just more, he's, is a, is, I don't know, Keanu's got the, the action hero thing mastered, whereas Odenkirk's new at it. But the other thing it has, it, it does have this really developed um, mythology, which this movie only kind of has a tiny bit of. So maybe they, I don't know, maybe if they cross over, I could see them building on, uh, building something more onto that. But I will say that if they do make another one, um, I don't know. I, d- I think they just got to deepen the character a bit. Like as like as as much as I do like seeing Odenkirk in this mode, I think they got to diversify. Is all of the music in the film di- diegetic in the sense that he plays the music within the scene, like the actual character Hutch? It's not an actual soundtrack. Uh, I feel like there's also soundtrack there. I mean, there is also there's a credited uh, there's a there's a, a credited composer, David Buckley. No, there's a composer, but I'm talking about the actual like pop tunes. Oh, uh, I feel like most of them are diegetic. Actually, th- yeah, that was another thing I wasn't wild about, to be honest, was just too much Sinatra. I love Sinatra, but like, come on, too much Sinatra. The only piece of trivia that I found on Internet Movie Database that I thought was like worth mentioning is uh, one of my favorite movies, Vanishing Points. Uh, this mm. great movie released in 1971 has features one of the greatest like chase sequences ever. The Dodge Challenger in this movie is a nod to the car in that movie. Both cars are white and they um you know they're both it's exact same car i just know this because it's like i'm not a car guy yeah but i do love the dodge challenger it's like the one car that i do love oh one thing i will say is if they make a second one let connie nielsen shoot somebody she got nothing to do in this movie (laughs) all right well uh that's our that's our quick hit review of 2021's nobody we'll be back before too long i we haven't figured out what the next Featured length episode should be about yet, but uh, we'll, I have we'll a long list of movies I want to review. Yeah, I do too. Um, anyway, we'll be back before too long. Uh, thanks for listening. You can find the show over at sortedcinema.com. Follow us on Twitter at sortedcinema. And anything else we need to mention? I mean, yeah, Sorted Cinema on Twitter. Uh, I'm playing around with Instagram, so you can just go to the website, follow our social media links, but it's tiltmagazine.net, but sortedcinema.com is the easiest and fastest way to find the podcast. All right. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll be back sometime soon. Now, on the one hand, there's a long dormant piece of me now awake that wants so very badly to play this out. The other, more reasonable piece of me, what's left of it, would like to end our little tete-a-tete right now. What's done is done. After all, we can both rebuild, right? Right. Mm, wait. Rebuild? I burned it. All of it. What? All? Everything you have. Had. Everything you had. My art. Shock! You should have seen it go up. <laughs> it was something. I mean, 
this doesn't make us even, because after all, you came to my house, which you know you don't fucking do.